Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. But the other thing you have to see as they come down is that, well, when they come down, it isn't, Jesus isn't going to look at this as a problem. He's going to look at this demon-possessed young boy as an opportunity to minister to people. You and I need to get this mentality. Life in the valley presents followers of Jesus with many doors of opportunity. As Jesus and his disciples came down from the mountain on which he was transfigured, they encountered a boy who was demon-possessed. Sometimes life is like that. Following a spiritual mountaintop experience, suddenly we find ourselves in the valley. In today's message, Pastor Mark challenges us to look at these opportunities, not as negatives, but as positives. Life in the valley, as he calls it, presents itself with many opportunities to minister to people. Are you in the valley right now? Look for windows of opportunity and God will use you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Faith in the Valley. You know, faith is an interesting word. Many times we relate faith to only spiritual things. But faith is really experienced in every aspect of our life. It's essential. I'm sure there's been times in your life, like mine, where you become sick. And your desire is you have to go to the doctor. So you walk into the doctor's office, and you may have been there before, But by faith, you assume that he is licensed, and he did graduate. Now, you might see some things on the wall, but you probably never checked them out. And you go in by faith, and you uh, prayerfully, you're going to, this guy knows what's happening, this gal knows what's happening, and they do the exam for you, and as they finish the exam, the doctor gives you this prescription. You've seen those before with kind of scratching all over it, you know what I mean? You can't read it. Well, that's what I did for 30 years. I read that scratching. And you take this prescription to a pharmacist, and by faith, you trust that he's going to give you or she's going to give you the the right medicine. Well, that day that you came out of the office, went to the doctor, came to the pharmacist, he comes out at the end and says, uh, I have uh, good news and bad news for you. The good news is the doctor told me that what I'm giving you, there's only one dose you need to take and it will absolutely cure what was wrong with you. And you're good. And you, well, what's the bad news? He said, well, here's what the dose is. Now, do you still have faith in your doctor? 
Well, yes, because then the pharmacist just says, all you do is open it, and you pour this in some juice, it dissolves immediately, and you're cured. You see, faith is, we just assume it all along. Today, you sat in a chair, you assumed it was going to hold you. This morning, we're going to see our faith challenged. As you turn to Matthew chapter 17, we begin with, well, it's going to be a challenge on your faith in mine as well. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You remember when we left the disciples last week, Peter, James, and John were on a mountaintop with Jesus. In a mountaintop experience, it was unlike anything they'd ever, ever seen. They got to see Jesus transform before them, fully God, fully man. They saw the real deity. Jesus was God's son. Well, you remember Pete. He said, we'd love to stay up here. This is, this is a great place. We'd like to live on the mountaintop because there's not many problems. Everything's good. We can see who you are. Can, can we just stay here? Well, you remember that Jesus basically showed them a few things God spoke. There really wasn't an answer to it, but you see the answer right here. Because the next thing you see Jesus doing, remember the disciples are followers, He's coming down from the mountain, and he's going down into the valleys. You see, the valley of life is where we really live. We really don't live on the mountaintops. We have mountaintop experiences. They are there to encourage us, but we really live our lives in the valleys. Well, you can see what it's like because as they get to the valley... Notice, first thing, there's a crowd waiting for them. And this crowd, well, they're around because a father has brought a son who is demon-possessed. And he brought him to the nine disciples that were still down in the valley while the other three were on top. Well, the Bible says that the nine prayed for him but failed. Nothing changed in this boy's life. Now, Mark 9 gives you a little picture, maybe an expansion of what that looked like. It says, teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has, noticed the words, robbed him of speech. Now, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. See, guys, this is the real world. The world we live in has all kinds of problems and situations and difficulties. Well, if you see that word robbed him, that should remind you of a very important verse. I have it for you, John 10.10. The thief, Satan, comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. Now, as you see that, today, many people 
real, well, they're not really into spiritual warfare. They, Satan, come on, there's no real Satan. Well, on that mountaintop, we got to see the kingdom of God, which is real. What do they see here in the valley? The kingdom of Satan. Is the kingdom of Satan real? It's very real. You see, guys, there is something called spiritual warfare. Satan is alive. It isn't a Halloween deal. He is out to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, the first thing you want to write today is this. The kingdom of Satan is real and active in the valley of life. Lest you misunderstand, Christians also live in the valley of life. And so we're not immune to difficulties. Just like everyone else, we live in this real world of, well, there's disappointments and confusion and there's failures and hurts and suffering and, oh yes, there is spiritual warfare. But how do we approach that life in the valley? Why there? Why is Jesus bringing these people, his three disciples, why isn't he inviting the other nine up to the mountaintop? Here's where we're going to live. No, because life is lived in the valley. And see, as he brought them down, you have to understand, we're to be salt and light. We're to make a difference where we live. Now, as they came down, of course, they faced Jesus. And they faced failure. But the other thing you have to see as they come down is that, well, when they come down, it isn't, Jesus isn't going to look at this as a problem. He's going to look at this demon-possessed young boy as an opportunity to minister to people. You and I need to get this mentality. Life in the valley presents followers of Jesus with many doors of opportunity. You see, Jesus isn't when he comes down going, oh, no. Here's somebody that needs help. Oh, no. No, he's, he's going to teach the disciples a lesson. He's going to minister to the young boy. And, well, life in the valley is going to be better. You see, don't look at life in the valley as a difficult thing and a hard thing, and I really don't want to know. You need to look at it as doors of opportunity. Well, Jesus sees this young man and this demon-possessed son. He's deaf, epileptic, possessed by a spirit. He's looking for someone to help. We don't realize how many people are looking for someone to help them in all kinds of areas. Well, there were really three groups of people facing this man and his son. Three groups of people that could have helped, but none did. Let's talk about the first group. The first group, the Bible says, when Jesus came down, a crowd of people came. They would have been Jewish. This crowd, well, they really don't have much to offer. They're without Christ. They have no power. Now, today the crowd would represent people who are not believers. Well, what do they have to offer us in this particular case specifically? Oh, if it's in the medical field, yes, they can do some things. But by the way, God still heals today too. 
But if, if you take a man with his son who is demon-possessed to a psychologist, how much help? No, it's a spiritual problem. So this crowd, well, they really have nothing to do. Second, there's the religious leaders. The scribes and the Pharisees are there. Why didn't this man take his demon-possessed son to the church? Well, that's because the church had become nothing but rules and ritual and regulations. They denied the power of God could change any life in any situation. That should not surprise us. In the Bible, Paul said this, in the last days there'll be very difficult times. People will act as if they're religious, but they will reject the power, God's power, that could make them godly. You must stay away from people like that. You see, do you realize today how many churches in our communities across the United States deny the power of God? There is no hope for changed lives when a church body doesn't believe in the power of God. We believe in the power of God. It changes our lives. It doesn't matter the situation. So first we have just the crowd. They can be supportive, but they can't help in a spiritual situation. Second, we have the church people, but really they're into religion and ritual. So there's nothing to offer. Well, third, we have the disciples. Now they've been with Jesus two years. And you're going to see in a moment, Jesus is very frustrated with them. You know why? Well, because they have been given the authority to cast out demons. And second, they did many times. Take a look at these two verses. You know, early on in Matthew, Jesus said this to his 12. He called his 12 to him and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Well, we know that many times these same disciples did that. They were very successful. And you can see the next verse there in Luke where it says they went out and they did this. But why did they fail now? How come they didn't, how come it wasn't that really, in a, in a spiritual sense, how come it wasn't a piece of cake? They failed. We're going to see why. Now, here's where you and I come in. So put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. You see, we don't teach the Bible like, here's history, nice story, have a good day. No, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. If you were there, here's the question, this is the one that challenged me big time this week. If there's nobody else around and the father brings a demon-possessed son to me, does the father go away with the delivered boy? This applies to us. You say, well, I would bring them to you, Pastor Mark, because that doesn't apply to me. No, you're wrong. It applies to every single one of us. See, God places us in the valley and then opens doors of opportunity so I, through the power of God, whatever the situation is, can go and bring Christ and a changed life. So let's learn why the nine failed. We're going to do that together. And I think it's going to be Incredibly exciting as we do that. Now, remember, here's the next thing you want to write. Discipleship and faith 
They're not really tested on the mountaintop. They are tested in the valleys of life. Too long, many of you have been church people. And you're just used to form and ritual and whatever. We do our hour thing or hour and a half thing. We're out of here. We go back to the world. What I learned on the weekend, maybe I'm going to have a couple Bible studies in the morning and whatever devotion time, but it really has no effect on my life. I'm not really involved with people in the valley. That's wrong. God is here in my following him, my discipleship, my faith are really tested here in the valley. Now, remember the nine disciples are a picture of you and I. We, like them, are still works in progress. There isn't anybody here. I'm in being trained. I'm in training just like you are. And there in my life will be times of success. But I have to confess to you this morning, there's also times of failure in my life. By the way, how about you? Times of success? Times of failure? Be honest. Yes. So, how is Jesus going to respond to this? What is he going to say? Look at verse 17. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Here's the key, and I want you to circle this in your Bible. Watch it just a moment. Bring the boy here, circle these words, to me. To me. You see, my success as a Christian relates to Christ in me, not me. Well, people will bring situations to me, but I have to have the power of God working through me. Now, you see here an interesting thing. You see the real emotions of Jesus. Quite often, we don't see that. But he's actually exasperated. He sees failure in front of him. Now, notice, he says, unbelieving and perverse generation. Who's he speaking to? Well, first... The crowd is Jewish. When Jesus came and he announced that he was the Messiah about two years before this, what did the average Jew in Israel think of Jesus being the Messiah? Was it yes or was it no? It was no. So he says to them, you're an unbelieving and perverse what? Generation. Generation. By the way, if you go to Europe today, what would Jesus say to Europe? You're an unbelieving, perverse generation. Why? Because they're without God. They don't believe in God. See, if you're in a church and everybody's my age, it's time to get to another church. (laughs) Now, I still got plenty of zip. Don't give me that stuff. (laughs) But guys, Jesus looks at this generation and he says they're unbelieving. Well, he also is saying that to the leaders because they're perverse. They're actually saying, the religious leaders, what were they saying about Jesus? Not only were they non-believing, but what did they say? You're from Satan's camp. He's frustrated. He expects the average person to be unbelieving. He already knew what the church was. He expected them to be unbelieving. But where he's hurt, his disciples. And notice he says this. How long? It's a time frame. Two years ago, Jesus had been dealing with his disciples. He's been teaching them for two years. He's got one more year to go before he turns the ministry in the valley to his 12 disciples. 
Notice his frustration. Whoa, they are learning. But will they get it? I've only got a year to go. And I've got to turn this ministry over to them. Here's my question to you and me. Are we getting it? Guys, we do not have time to play religion. People are dying everywhere. This country, unless we make a change, this country will become an unbelieving, perverse country. We're headed that way. Whenever the ACLU wants, they'll take God out of everything. I don't worry about the laws and all this stuff. Yes, we're going to vote. You need to vote right. But guys, we need to shine like crazy for Jesus. And when they see a changed life, when they see a changed life, they'll also realize we're salt. We are different. Not because of us, but because Jesus lived in us. So we see this frustration from him, and he's concerned that, well, maybe they're not learning fast enough. So what does he do? Look at verse 18. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and I love this, he was healed from that very moment. Mark 9 tells us that when Jesus did this, and it could be that this demon, there's some commentators that believe this demon was a strong demon that the disciples had never faced before. There's all kinds of different strengths and things. It's a spiritual world. And it tells us in Mark when Jesus said to the demon, come out, that the demon started to come out, but cast the boy on the ground and put him into this state. And the people thought he was dead. It was like, Jesus failed. It says in Mark that Jesus just walked over to the young man and went, took his hand, got him up, and he walked to his, back to his dead, instantaneously healed. Never to have a seizure again. Never to fall in the water again. Never to fall into a fire again. Totally instantaneously healed. Is that possible? Is it? Is it possible today? Let me bring it home. Is it possible through your life today? Well, a young lady came to me probably, I'm guessing, 2021. She says, Pastor Mark, the story is so relevant for me. I had epileptic fits all my life. And when I became 14 or 15, I think, she said, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And from the day that I accepted him, it's been five years, I've never had another seizure again. Now you say, well, that's, that, that's just that, that's coincidence. No, that's not a coincidence. So the next thing you need to write is this. Life in the Valley is exciting because the power of God transforms lives. And that's what the world's waiting for. It's not waiting for dead religion. They're sick of it because they walk in and out of the church and nothing happens. Sometimes after a mountaintop spiritual experience, we encounter the valleys of life. But we needn't be discouraged. In today's message, Pastor Mark challenged us to exercise faith in the valleys. He reminded us that while Satan is alive and well in the valleys of life, it's the valleys that present Christians with an opportunity to exercise faith. It's where discipleship is tested, and we experience new excitement as we see God at work in the valley. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Life in the Valley can be exciting if we will exercise faith. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us how to walk in the midst of the mountains of life. He teaches us that real and active faith is believing the promises of God and acting on them regardless of what we see or feel because God promises a good result. Real faith requires expectancy and is always anchored in the promises of God. Do you have real faith? You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting